It's yours, babe. Thank you. Man, you can't wish for a better introduction than that. Thank you, Daryl. I appreciate it. Let's all pray. Lord, I just uh, I thank you this morning, Lord, that you're the one who, Lord, who leads us into worship. Lord, you created us for worship. Lord, you created us to be with you. And Father, I ask that you would show us the depths of who you are this morning, God. Lord, I ask that you would speak through me, Lord. Lord, that it wouldn't just be me trying to make sense. But Lord, that you would open my lips, Lord, and use me as an instrument, Lord. That you would, Lord, let us know a new aspect of your heart, God. And really the foundation, a pillar of worship this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I have to get used to uh, standing up here. This is... A different view for me. Um, I'm excited. I'm really excited about this. This is going to be really exciting for me because this is, yeah, like Daryl said, I've you know been around worship. God, I think, you know, kind of spoke to me as a young kid to you know that worship was going to be a big part of my life, and I took that to heart. And uh, it doesn't always mean on stage. That's the thing. I think that's the biggest thing I've learned. It doesn't just mean what everyone sees. And I think at first. I really thought that, you know, I've, I first thought that I would just, you know, oh, God's going to make me a rock star or something. But it's really true. Like what he's saying, it, you, find, you find worship in the deepest places, in the places of, that nobody else sees in just the entirety of your life. This is what I want to share with you this morning. So it's very much from personal experience um, of my life. Something that kind of happened to me a couple years ago really got me started on this journey. Um, and what I want to talk to about, about you this morning is thankfulness. And that is what we're going to go after. You might be thinking thankfulness seems like a, you know, just a virtue or a quality. It has everything to do with worship. Absolutely everything to do with it. And uh, I want to show you that. So this is the journey. I was, so I've always felt pretty close to God. I've always felt this, you know, this, I just felt like God was, it was easy for God to speak to me. It was easy to just hear him, hear his voice, to feel him. Um, and worship, worship has been easy for me for pretty much all my life. And uh, I think it was about four years ago that I just wasn't feeling any of that. And I know that we all go through seasons like that. How many have gone through seasons like that where you just feel nothing and you're like, what's up with that? I don't get it. There's nothing really happening in here, up here, it's very empty. And uh, I wasn't hearing God. That was the main thing that was really concerning me, honestly. I wasn't sure what was going on. So I was like praying more and more earnestly. This was going on for months, actually. Two, I think two months. And for some of you, like, well, I haven't heard God in two months. He will speak to you. And everyone hears God differently. But for me, that was unusual. That was very unusual to not hear the, you know, the very specific voice of God for that period of time. So I was like worried. So I was just praying hardcore, just being like, Lord, what is wrong? I need to really get with you. And I heard nothing. <laughs> Normally when I pray, I hear something like pretty quickly. It's not like it comes to me immediately, but you know, I'll pray, seek God. And then sometime during the next day or week, God will say it to me, you know, like he'll give me the answer to what I'm praying. None of that happened for two months. And one day I'm walking through the grocery store and just minding my own business, thinking about, you know, all my just, you know, things of life, the troubles of life, specifics of trying to buy food in a grocery store, which if you're a single young man, 
that is very disorganized. <laughs> you know, you don't really know what you're doing. There is absolutely no plan or order. So I'm wandering around like completely lost and trying to get things that may feed me or not. Hopefully healthy, sometimes not so much. And so I'm wandering around this grocery store trying to find things to buy. Totally caught up in that, not thinking about God in the slightest. And all of a sudden, and this is unusual for me, all of a sudden, right there in the middle of a grocery aisle, I'm just walking along, trying to find something, and I hear the voice of God really loud. You know, for me, I've never heard the audible voice, but it's very clear in my heart. You know, it is very clear. I know the voice of God because he's taught me how to hear his voice. It's very clear for me. And it was super clear then. He said, Will, thankfulness is the key. That's all he said. That was it. So he just drops that on me in the middle of a grocery store after two months of silence. And I'm just like, what? I, I mean, I literally, st- it, it was so clear that I stopped in my tracks there in Shaw's and I just stood there. And I was like, that was weird. That was like unusual. And so for a moment, it didn't really strike me, but then I thought about it. And it suddenly just hit me like a, like a ton of bricks the way that I had been acting, all of a sudden my eyes were opened to something that I was incredibly blind to. It was unbelievable to me. I was like, oh my goodness, I've been so ungrateful. So ungrateful. I run my own business. I have clients. Um, I do websites and videos for people. And I have some wonderful clients. I have just simply amazing people I get to work with. Um, But every now and then, you know, somebody comes along that's a little more difficult to work with, or something strains the relationship. And it was one of those times somebody was, you know, asking for a lot, and it was outside the terms of a contract. And I was thinking about it and just complaining about them all the time to my friends, to the people I live with. I got great housemates, and I would complain about it to them. And I realized in that moment how ungrateful, how complaining I had been. That's, yeah, that's, a, I guess, a term. I had been complaining so much. And I just, it just hit me so hard. I was like, I have not thanked you. I couldn't remember the last time that I'd really been grateful from the heart to God for anything. And so I just started to, I was like, Lord, I'm sorry. You know, this is serious. But I also realized it was, well, I got to start my timer. It's the only way I make sure I don't talk for two hours. It's somehow, whenever we talk, it goes like at least an hour. Keep me on point. Um, so I was, uh, I was just like, I know I have a habit. This is a habit of just ungratefulness. I've got to fix it. And I know it's not going to be easy. So this is what I did. You know, I kind of, you know, I knew a little bit about how one grows a habit like this. In my prayer time, I just simply, every single day, every morning, got on my knees, just started to thank God for things. It's really that simple, guys. That's, that's all it is. And I did that for every day. I didn't feel anything for a while. And it was hard to make a habit, but I kept doing it every day. After a few weeks of that, everything changed. My whole outlook on what God had done for me, what God does for me, and what he's going to do for me totally changed. Not only that, my circumstances started to change as well. So it was dramatic. And uh, so that was, a, that was like a huge revelation for me. Fast forward a year. I looked back and I was shocked by the breakthrough in joy. Ever since that time, I've had just incredible joy. You know, before then, I would get introspective pretty easily, honestly. I would get, you know, down, not depressed. That's never really been my lot. But ever since then, I've had, it's been a source of such incredible joy. I can't tell you 
uh, how dramatic it has been for me. So, and then as well as that, in worship, I discovered simply, you know, because we we do prayer sets at the House of Prayer, and if you're doing two-hour sets, you know, several times a week, you you really get to the you know what worship really means to you. I mean, if you have some pretense or some you know fakery going on, it quickly runs out. Like you really have to get to the heart of worship. It really is. It really shows you what's really going on inside. And I found that thankfulness, thanking God in worship, was such a huge. It's like an instant on for my spirit. You ever had those times that you can't just, you really can't figure out how do I just engage in worship? My heart is dead. There's nothing happening here. Just begin to thank Him. That's really how simple it is. It really is. You begin to thank Him, and whenever I lead worship, that's a big thing for me. You know. Sometimes I sound probably really repetitive with it too, but it is so huge. It is such a huge part of worship, and that's what I want to show you. Sorry, I'm still learning how to use a mic here. Um, I want to take you to Psalm 100. This is our key verse. So if you want to go to Psalm 100, we will start in the first verse. I'm really excited because I love the Psalms. The Psalms are such a huge source of Thank you, Michelle. Can I just say thank you to the slide team? You're going to love them by the end of today. We're going to hit a lot of scripture. Just get ready. See, this is great because when you have something like this, the scripture is full of stuff about thankfulness. Absolutely chock full of it. I could just read scripture up here and you would get something out of this. So I've got a safety net for this whole thing. We're just going to read scripture and we're going to let it wash over us. Seriously, we're going to go through a lot of scripture today and you're going to, I hope you're going to love it. I think you will. But thank you guys for taking care of the slides because that's going to help us a lot. Psalm 100, verse 1. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that, he, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Here we go. Key verse. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. That's the key verse. That's really, that, really ex- that shows you what worship is all about throughout the Psalms, throughout the Old Testament. You know, the, um, the, the worship leaders of the time, you know, if you look at even Hezekiah's time, Solomon's time, all these different worship leaders of the temple, of, a key component of their job was to lead people in thanksgiving and prayer. Um, we're not going to go there, but Second Chronicles 31, you can read about that. That, is, that was like their job description. They led people in thanksgiving. The feasts were a huge example of thanksgiving to God. It was all about gratitude. And so this is a bedrock. This is a pillar of worship throughout the Old Testament and the New. So there's, there's just so much to unpack in this verse. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. You know, we hear about the gates of praise. You hear about the gates to the presence of God, right? And like I was just saying, for me, I discovered thankfulness, giving thanks to God. That was like a key to open the door and my heart is just not feeling anything, you know? And when I, when I am just lost, when I can't think of something to pray, when I can't think of something... Thankfulness turns that on. It just turns on the faucet for me. It's incredible. So we see that right here. This is this is a key spot. You know, t- towards the end of the Psalms, you have these Psalms of high praise and uh, corporate praise that really, you know, from 
99 and 100 on, those are really, it's, you really see a theme of the people of God praising God. So this is not just personal this morning. We're going to get into the personal side of it, but it's also corporate, which I'm really excited about. Let me go down here. So yeah, Thanksgiving is the foundation of worship. The Jewish understanding of worship, how many of you guys know? Very holistic, right? Their understanding of life as worship to God, it was not just singing songs. The Jewish understanding that was holistic, that your whole life, your vocation, your career, everything you do, through thankfulness and worship in those things that you're just, the normal things you do every day, that that is worship to God. That is every single thing that you do, and thankfulness is a huge part of that. I want to turn to Psalm 103. This is not too far away. I think you might just turn one page. Um, This is, for me, a foundation of heart health, a foundation of a healthy heart that in your personal life that you can really encounter God on a regular basis and really understand how to respond to him. You see this a lot of places. This is a psalm of David. I love it. I love David. I hope to meet him someday. That will be great. He's my favorite musician ever, although I've never heard his music. But uh, I look forward to hearing it. This is a fantastic psalm. You hear a theme in this that you hear a lot throughout the psalms, which is that he speaks to his soul. That has a lot to it. That is a really key component of getting yourself out of the dumps. Am I right? You got to get yourself out of just the mire of your emotions sometimes. David was very emotional, and he knew how to do it. This is how he did it. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy who satisfies you with good, so your youth is renewed like the eagle. That is powerful. So powerful. There's so much to that. That covers, that encompasses your whole life. That encompasses every aspect that, that gnaws at you, that you, when you feel weak, that he'd renew your strength, that he would heal your diseases, that he would forgive your iniquities. This is the Christian life. This is huge. And it's founded on forgetting not his benefits. It's founded on blessing the Lord, O my soul, to extol the Lord and all that he's done. It's absolutely impossible apart from thankfulness. Absolutely impossible apart from gratitude. This is the foundation of our personal walk with God, our personal heart healthiness, that we would see God rightly. You know, you can't see God as a loving father if you're continually thinking about everything that's going wrong, if you continually see the bad, I mean, literally, God could be doing so many good things for you. And if you just focus on one bad thing, if you just focus on one thing that's wrong in your life, life is not perfect. There will always be something wrong. There will always be something that you can focus on, that you can see, that's going to bum you out. But if you focus on the things that God's done for you, you're going to get a right view. Your view will start to shift of God, and you can truly begin to worship him as a loving father who cares for you, who renews your strength. And those things become reality. You can't receive what God has for you if your heart doesn't receive it, if your heart isn't ready for it. But when you start to thank him for the things he's done, you get a a shifted view of God. You get a new view of God the Father, and it changes the way that you perceive him. 
The foundation to our walk with God is thankfulness for who he is and what he has done for us. If you look at uh, the children of Israel, one of the biggest commandments that they had was to remember the things that God had done for him, done for them. The covenant that God would make with Israel was powerful, so incredible. But one of the keys of the covenant, one of the one of the uh, qualifiers, one of the, the the requisites of the covenant was that they would remember the things that He did for them. That had everything to do with them being able to keep the covenant with God. Because otherwise they would forget about the covenant altogether. If they forgot what, pe- what God had done to bring the people of Israel through, out of Egypt, through the desert, through the Red Sea. And if you read through Psalm 105 and 106, it's incredible. I'm just going to go there. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. This is a congregational uh, sim. Sim. I don't know where that came from. A congregational psalm. I made up a word, psalm and hymn. I'm in good company, aren't I? Uh, sing to him, sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. You see a theme there of joy, the rejoicing, and it's connected directly to thanksgiving. This goes on throughout this whole thing. It's, it's got, what, 45 verses um, and then it goes on to the next one. This is a really long song where they recount what God did for the children of Israel. And they sing this. This was sung in the temple. This was a composed song with an orchestra of instruments behind it. That they're singing this whole thing to thank God for everything that he's done for the children of Israel so that they would not forget it. So singing these things, that's why I love it. We're writing songs. It's incredible. And we're singing about you know, everything, you guys don't hear much because we're still figuring out how to get the team together and practice more. It's, it's, it's a challenge, but we are writing, and you will hear them. It's exciting. We're recording too, but we're not going to really give you much on that. Um, just tell you that we are. Um, but we're writing these songs about everything that God has uh, done for us and everything that he's going to do, and it is powerful that when we remember those things and when we sing them, do you know you bond? This is a, so I love studies. Uh, I'm going to cite a few actually. Um, Scientific studies. I think they bear out things that, you know, have spiritual roots and they're just the fruit, you know, they're the manifestation and you see it in the natural. And one of the things that one of these studies was saying is you bond with people that you sing with. It's amazing. When you sing, something happens. You know, a different part of your brain is activated even in memory. So singing the deeds, the singing the things that God has done for us is so powerful, especially as a congregation. So that's what they were doing here. They would sing all the things that God had done for them. We go down here. So back to the personal side of it. Um, you know, the children of Israel remembering David would remember. He returned to thankfulness in his own private time, in his own worship to God so often. And he told his soul to hope again. He would tell his soul to remember. That's so key. You know, I don't know. It's, I think so often we're, we feel way out of control. Way out of control of what's going on in here. It feels like this is a totally different person, doesn't it? It feels like, what is going on with my heart? I don't understand it. I don't understand why I can't respond to God the way that I want to. I don't understand why I can't worship him, why I can't obey him. You have to speak to your soul. 
You have to. It is such a huge part of your faith. It's a huge part of your walk. And when you tell your soul to remember things, God spoke the world into motion, right? I don't have to get too much into this. This is a whole other message. Speaking is powerful. Singing is powerful. You know, the ancient Hebraic tradition is that God sung the world into existence. That's, that's incredible. I can't even imagine that. that. That's just powerful just to even imagine But singing is so powerful. Speaking to your soul is so powerful. You have to do it. If you feel out of control of what your heart and your soul are doing, they're disconnected from God, they're even disconnected from your psyche, you have to speak to your heart. You have to speak to your soul. So this is also, thankfulness is the source of faith. That is a whole message in itself. I could go off on so many things here. I'm so excited about it. But I'm going to keep in my time. Um, The source of faith. Are you kidding? Faith is the substance of everything that we're hoping for. The substance of things believed for. This is what we have to have. We have to have faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith is incredibly important. How do you get faith? You thank him. You have gratitude. If you remember the things God's done for you, he will do more. It's his covenant. That's how it works. Read the Old Testament. We don't have time to read the whole covenant, but it's incredible. I mean, it was to the children of Israel, but there are elements of it that apply to us. It's the principles of it that you can see. It's the way that God deals with his people, the way that God, you know, keeps his promises with his people. And he does. He keeps his promises. This is the source of faith, to thank him. Turn to, uh, let's turn to Psalm 116 here. Real quick. Let's see. You know what? Which verse was it? It's a it's kind of the whole theme of the verse of the of the psalm. So we're not going to read the whole thing. I'll just pick out a few parts. But I love the, it starts uh, in verse 1. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. He's recounting that the Lord's heard him. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold of me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. He preserves the simple, for you delivered my soul from death. And uh, basically it goes on like that. It's recounting the works of God. In Psalm 118, 17, it says, I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. Literally, his hope for living at that point, because he was fearing death, apparently. His hope for living was that he would be able to live and retell what God had done that he would have a story. You know, you have a story. God has such a powerful story he's writing in your life. And it's not just for you to just eke through and get through it. It's so that he would have glory. And he can only have glory if you recount the deeds of God, if you give him thanks, if you tell people what God's done for you. And then this is, this is really powerful. Psalm 118, 19. I'll let the guys get that up on the screen. When, yeah. Open... Is that, yeah, the next one. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. It's a, uh, this is, we see the gates of, 
going through gates, that kind of similarity, that kind of analogy there again. The gates of righteousness, that's so powerful that there, that there's, uh, you know, that the righteous would enter in, that kind of symbology. Um, but that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. Thanksgiving is a hallmark of the righteous. It's something that accompanies the righteous life. It's something that is going to be a fruit. It's going to be something that you exemplify if you are a righteous, if, if you're born of God, if righteousness is being grown and birthed in you, thankfulness, thanksgiving, is going to be a fruit of your life. It's inseparable. In the early church, it was powerful. You could see everything they did was around thanksgiving. Ephesians 5.20, if you want to go there, we'll go there for a second. Ephesians 5.20. I can't even get there. I'm trying to do it with one hand. Let's see. I'll just read it from my iPad. Do you guys have it? Yeah. We can just look at the screen. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That was the way they lived. Um, If you look at uh, Colossians 4.2, it says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. You can see in that that thankfulness is a fundamental part of prayer. Thankfulness is a fundamental part of the New Testament way of life. This is a commandment. And, and the, the children of Israel, if you look in the Psalms, they were commanded to give thanks. This is a commandment. This is not an option. This is not something that you can do if your personality fits it. It's not something if you're positive enough, if you're optimistic enough. God is not, by the way, a respecter of your personality. He doesn't care about it. If you're a pessimist, That doesn't mean anything to him. You need to get over it because God expects us to have a thankful heart. He expects us to basically be an optimist. I'm sorry to be, you know, polarizing here. I'm an optimist because of the story I just told you. I mean, that has everything. The people who know me can tell you the same thing. I mean, that hopefully, you know, that I, I, every, the way that I see life has changed because of this. And uh, it's, it's really powerful there's a study. Um, I'm going to try to cite it. Do my best. Actually, I don't know if I have the study. Um, and it's so boring to like say the names of these and stuff. If you want the name of the study, I can get it to you. But basically, uh, okay, so here's the deal. Actually, I'm going to dive right into the studies because they're so interesting. This is crazy. Uh, spiritual things are worked out in the physical. Like I was saying, it's real. Like the spiritual world is real. It is very real, and it is active and alive in your life. You have to realize that the truths of God, you want to just obey him. You don't need to understand everything. You want to just obey him. But it's amazing when you see the outworking of it. And actually, in the past 15 years uh, or so, there's been a huge push for um, research into positive psychology and what these things actually do in our lives. And it's actually really interesting um, and one of these studies, so actually, so UC Berkeley is one of the foremost of these that um, in the past, what, four years, they put $3 million towards 14 different studies that they vetted very carefully and, you know, are, re- are done by really good uh, people. But these studies have shown some crazy things. Gratitude is, is basically the point of uh, these studies that, I, that I've got here. 
it affects every area of life. It affects every area. It even develops. Being grateful will help in your development of your personality. If you think your personality is set in stone, that's actually not true. The way that you live your life in gratitude is actually going to change your very mental makeup and a lot of other things. I'm going to quickly just cite, because we, we, we want to stay on the spiritual side of things, but this is crazy. Um, in the uh, Counting Blessings versus Burdens study in 2003, uh, this is a really interesting one. I'm just going to cite a few little things because it's just so interesting to me, but 25% of people in this study, which is a large amount for studies, in, uh, reported increased sleep quality. So what they did is they kept a gratitude journal, That's, that was the study, and they had participants you know, keep this journal every day for weeks and weeks of what they were grateful for, which is a really great way to start, I think. I didn't do that. I just started to thank God for things. But that's a really great structured way. If you're like you know, type A and you really need things nice and orderly, that's a good way to do it. Um, but they, they were, there's, there's a crazy amount of things. 16% fewer physical symptoms, 19% more time spent exercising. That's positive, I guess. Um, 25% increased sleep quality. Um, the emotions of appreciation and gratitude are shown to induce the relaxation response, basically less stress. Um, and that's in relation to the physical heart, by the way. Um, a gratitude visit reduced depressive symptoms by 35% for several weeks. That's a huge number for a study. A gratitude journal lowered depressive symptoms by 30 or more percent for as long as the practice was continued. That's massive. That's huge. How many of us have to take medication because of symptoms we have of depression? God has more for you than just that. And actually, the medical world is discovering that. That there is more for you, that there's more that you can do to stir up the stuff that you need in your heart and actually change your own mental makeup by doing this. I've got to go on from this, but it, there are a few, a few quick points. Gratitude makes us more optimistic. This one's wild. Gratitude reduces materialism. I don't think I have to qualify that one very much, but there is a whole study on it, and it's crazy. Materialism is the plague of our culture. It is the gnawing, basically the idol. Actually, I've got a scripture I want to go to. So we've gotten out of the studies successfully here. We'll go back into the Word of God. Um, where is that scripture? I'm actually going to skip down. Where? No, I don't know where I'm going. Oh, here it is. Psalm 138. Uh, essentially, no, it's it's too good. We got to go there. How, how do I, I'm doing? Doing pretty good on time. I'm all right. 138. How many of you guys are enjoying this? This makes my heart happy. I got to say. God, God wants us to have a happy heart. Amen? He really does. He wants, but it goes beyond that. I mean, right now we're, we're talking about the personal, the heart aspect of this, not so much the worship aspect. We're going to get there. Don't worry. Psalm 138, verse 1. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Everybody say, whole heart. Say it again. One more time. Whole heart. That means so much. How many of us have a whole heart? How many of us know how to tap into your whole heart? But that's what he's saying right here. It's such a beautiful heart response to God. That's what we want in worship. We want to give our whole heart to God. That's huge. That's what we want. 
And it's directly related again here to giving thanks. This is how you, you open up the doors to your heart and you actually access all of your heart to be able to give all your heart to God. How many times do we sing it, right? I give you my whole heart, right? And we're sitting there, probably you just as much as me. We're all just like, am I really singing this? <laughs> is this even true? I don't know what it's like to give my whole heart. You see, you're kind of singing it thinking, I hope someday I can give you my whole heart. But it, this, is, this can be a reality because thankfulness opens the door to your whole heart. It opens the door so that you can actually give all of yourself to him. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. And this is it. Before the gods, I sing your praise. Before the pantheon of gods before all the idols of their time. Idol worship, something that we, you know, David talked about phenomenally last week. So this taps right into his message. But uh, idol worship, so nuanced, but really so simple. It all came down to comfort. It all came down to uh, protection and something that felt familiar, right? And in a lot of ways, provision. I think, you know, it's... No secret, the God of our time is materialism, and in a deg- to a degree, we all struggle with it. We all struggle with allegiance to that God. You don't have to, but a lot of us do. I'm not saying like that you have to, but it is, it is a reality for so many of us. And uh, this is so powerful that before the gods, I sing your praise. That's in defiance of the gods of his time that David's saying. It's in defiance of everything that everyone else is worshiping, Lord, you're enough. That's powerful. Come on. That's our message, guys. That is the message of the, tr- of the church. Listen, we have it good right now. We have a prosperous economy. I don't care what you think about it. It's great. And, uh, it, you know, you, there's so many times that, you know, you see like a market adjustment. If Even in the Great Depression, we're better off than most countries in the world. Come on. Seriously. We have prosperity in our country, that we get to enjoy, that we get to be thankful for, but that is not a guarantee. That may not be there in a year, in two years. You may not have that. And if you can really say, God, you're enough, in any situation, the world will take notice. The world will know that your God is real. Seriously, if that's a reality in your life, and this is what David is saying, before the gods I sing your praise. That's before all the other gods. It's a little G right there. Before all the other gods, I will sing your praise. That's, that's our message. That's what we get to do, guys. That's a privilege. That God is enough for us. It's amazing. I've got to now re, re get to... So, yeah, New Testament. New Testament church. Back to that. We'll run through a couple more. First session. Yeah. First Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Come on, the early church, look at the early church. They suffered hardship. Even when it was good, it was bad. If they're, they're good times, we would be like, God hates us, everything's wrong. But they were praising God. They were thanking God. And this is the command that they're being given here in Thessalonians. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 
Colossians 2, 6-7. So, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Overflowing with thankfulness, not just being thankful, but overflowing with it. That's incredible. That's the New Testament life, folks. That's the Christ-born life. That's the gut response of the believer that's rooted in Christ. That is the way that we respond to circumstances with thanksgiving. In all things uh, that Paul said, I give thanks when I'm doing bad, when I'm poor, when I'm doing well. And I've sold a couple tents, right? Because he made tents. Seriously, giving thanks to God through everything. That's the New Testament life. I do want to share just really quick, you know, something that I found really powerful in my life, and then we're going to get to the corporate aspect of all of this. But, um, you know, it really is true that gratitude is far-reaching. I found it to be far-reaching in my life. Um, I did lose my dad to cancer about two years ago, um, which is a hard thing for anyone, but, you know, especially for someone, you know, it's, it's, it's another thing when you're, you know, when it's of old age, but cancer, it's hard. It's, it's really, it's, it's not an easy thing. And thankfully he's, he's just an amazing man and we have a family rooted in faith. And so it was way easier of a process for us, honestly, not in, not in a, like a delusional way, but in a real way that we really had the presence of God with us. And that, you know, in, in him passing on that there was something so profound and so beautiful in that he knew what God was doing with him and with us, and that we were all just still able to, you know, not be over, overcome by this thing, that we were actually able to see the hand of God through it all, saying, Lord, you'll be glorified in everything, you know? What is, and this is the thing that we hold on to here at Hilltop. If you heal, and we know it's God's will to heal, then you, you get the glory. If you don't, you still get the glory. God is glorified in our lives, no matter what. We're all going to die someday. And Benny Hinn or whoever else is not going to come raise you from the grave, every single one of us. That's not going to happen. Seriously. Unless God takes us home by then, awesome, that's great. By the way, ever since the early church, they've thought that that was the time that Jesus was going to come back, so good luck with that. But if you do you know, live through and not see the return of Jesus... You're going to die. At some point, will God get the glory from your life? So anyway, from with my dad, he really did bring glory to God. It was incredible. Um, but still, I mean, it's really, it is hard to, to lose a father. And uh, there were times that, you know, and grief is good. Grief is, you know, I don't, I don't know about good, but it's, it's a process. It's healthy. You know, you don't want to ignore the process. I absolutely, you know, I don't believe in ignoring it at all. You know, there's a healthy way of going through it. But there's a different kind of sadness. And this is what I want to touch on. There's a self-pity. There's a sadness where you're focused inward on yourself. You may not have lost a family member. You may just feel sad for no reason that you can even think of. It's called self-pity. And I want to share the way out of it. You might be guessing what it is. But... uh <laughs> Yeah, I, there were these times, you know, like, just thinking about my dad, and, uh, you know, 
I, th- I remember one day specifically, actually, I was working, and uh, just this wave of sadness started to come over me. And, 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 you know, just thinking about him, and I'm just like, oh, here it comes. It's just, it's just coming over me. It's intense. And I'm like, I know this isn't good, too. I know it wasn't, like, the good kind of sadness, but it's actually like, this is not healthy. You know, like, this is me feeling sorry for myself, basically. Um, and, you know, I knew that there was a, a better heart response that I could have in the midst of it. And so I was just like, my response in that moment was just, Lord, thank you. Thank you that I got to have him. Thank you for the dad he was. Thank you for everything I got to experience and the incredible family you gave me. And uh, really a deep, deep, deep gratitude came up. And there were still tears. But it was a place, a really beautiful moment with God the Father, understanding the way that he works and and being grateful to him for everything he's given me. It's powerful, guys. And instead of something really negative, it turned, it turned the whole, my whole viewpoint into something positive. You can do that with anything. You can do that with anything. I guarantee it. I absolutely guarantee it. It's the weapon against sadness. And I'm talking about sadness in its unhealthy sense. It's the weapon against depression. If there's anything I want you to remember from this, as in your own personal life, it's that. Remember that. When you start to feel those emotions, when you start to feel that well up and you overtake you, remember that. Remember the key to breakthrough in that place is thankfulness. This is the last one that I want to get on as far as personal stuff. I know I think I already said that, but I'm sorry. I lied. Um, here we go. Gratitude, this is really simple. Gratitude is the key to humility. Seriously. True humility is evasive. It's hard to achieve. But gratitude makes it almost automatic. Think about it for a second. They can't exist apart from each other. You can't be thankful without humbling yourself. You can't thank God for things without taking a lower seat and saying, Lord, you're bigger. And what you've done for me is so amazing. And it's not all me. That's the thing about pride. It thinks it's all something you've done. It thinks it's all your merits. What's cool about you as a person, if you look good, if you act cool, if you have something to feel cool about and feel, you know, prideful about, and that's an area of pride, you were given that by God. You can thank him for everything he's given you. And you can humble yourself, truly humble yourself. Because, like I said, humility is evasive. You can't easily grasp it. So many of us think we have humility and we, we end up getting false humility. It's such a, pride is a lifelong battle, but this is a weapon against it. This is a, this is a key for true humility in our lives that we would actually walk the way God wants us to walk. Humility opens doors, guys. Humility opens doors. And thankfulness is a beautiful way there. It, it, you, it does not exist without thankfulness. All right. I'm going to take a drink of my coffee here because I love coffee. Thank you, Jesus, for making coffee. Oh, my God. So here's where we're going. This is what I'm excited about. And after this, I will be quiet. This is so great, though. Corporately, this is where we're going. I want to talk about corporate worship because I am 
So excited. I believe God's put us in this city for a reason. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on. God has put us here. And you may be looking around and you say, wow, there's only 100 people here. God is doing big things. Seriously. I can say it because I don't own this ministry. I don't, you know, I don't have a stake in it. It's not about me at all. I just, I feel, I feel called to it. That's simply the bottom line. I won't get into any more because I could talk for hours about it. But God has put us here for something huge. God has put us here for something so big. And one of those things is a worship movement. A worship movement that would spread across the Northeast and that would actually bring the body of Christ into a new era. That probably sounded really grandiose. I'm sorry about that. But it's true. And listen, God can bring, you know, God is, it's not just about us. I'm not saying that. But we're here with CD with each other. We're at Hilltop Church. I'm going to talk about us because this is where God's taking us. Amen? This is corporate worship. Turn to Psalm 105. Uh, we kind of have already been there, haven't we? Um, I f- have the memory of a goldfish sometimes. I'm sorry. Let me see here. I don't know. Very, very, very tiny brains. They swim around the fishbowl once and they forget about it. So it's all new to them. <laughs> That's me. Um, it's, it's, everything stays entertaining, trust me. Um, Psalm 105. We're going to read it again because it's good to read things again. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. There's the rejoicing. Now, now remember, this is in the context of corporate worship that we're reading this, because that's what this psalm is all about, right? Corporate worship. Let the hearts of all those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. That's a command you don't hear about much, is it? Seek the presence of God continually. And this is the key into his presence, right? Like we've talked about. So remember his wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments that he uttered. O offspring of Abraham, his servant, children of Jacob, his chosen ones. This is the key to corporate worship. Recounting and singing of all that he has done. Tell of all his wondrous works. You know, the, 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 in another psalm we were reading, you heard this steadfast Lord, uh, the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. That was a refrain. That was a refrain throughout the psalms. Uh, one of the psalms, I can't remember, is I think 97 or something. I can't remember which one it was, but that's like every other line. Like that was the response of the congregation. Was, which one was it? Thank you, Valerie. Psalm 136. So like every other line, as, this, as the worship leader is singing... 136? Let's look at it. Thank you, Valerie. Psalm one, keep tracking, folks. We got this. Don't let your ADHD kick in. Resist the urge to look at your smartphone, check Facebook, and uh, feed the dragon. It's not going to... It's going to be okay. You're going to be all right. You will be able to stay focused. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. That second line, that's the refrain, the response from the congregation. And you just glance down that thing. You see a line, give thanks to the Lord, to him alone who does great wonders, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who by understanding made the heavens, for his steadfast love endures forever. 
This is the response, the choral response of the entire congregation. Thousands of people in the temple singing in response to what God's done. That's powerful. That's huge. That's the picture of where God's bringing us as a church. You know, we're, we're, our, our whole thing is that we're, you know, with the house of prayer, it's, it's, it's the beautiful, just the, the missing piece, right, of the church. That Jesus said, I'll make my church a house of prayer. It's both. It's not just getting up here and me, you know, talking on a Sunday. Come on. I mean, that's, that's so empty and vapid without, if, if it's just alone. If we're just hearing words and then going and just trying to live a normal life, Normal life is good, you know, I work. You know, working is good. It's not just about sitting in the prayer room all day, but as a congregation, you know, it's been so beautiful seeing all of us get in the prayer room throughout the week, seeing all of your faces in there, praying, interceding, and worshiping as an actual expression throughout the week of everything that we're seeing here. So we're going back to the Old Testament in a way, and in a good way, okay? We're not getting heretical here. This is... This is where God wants to bring the end-time church, right? We, it's not me. You need to hear that from you. I'm sure you've heard it from other people. This is where God's bringing us in corporate worship as the body of Christ. It's so powerful. That, that response of worship, that worship movement, is going to look a lot like this. For his steadfast love endures forever. That as we see God doing more and more miraculous things throughout the earth and in our midst, transforming and changing the face of Boston that we respond that for his steadfast love endures forever that will be our response so let's see go down here Psalm 111 I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the con- in the company of the upright in the congregation greater the works of the Lord studied by all who delight in them Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. This is the important one, verse 4 of Psalm 111. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. We're almost done. Hebrews 12.28, this is the last one we're going to look at. I want to turn to Hebrews 12.28 here, which is a little more challenging with one hand. My Bible's going to fall off the podium, but... Do we have it? Yes. Excellent. We'll just read that. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. What does it say about the early church? Can anyone tell me? What were they marked by? Fire. Fire. Good one. Anybody else? No, it's good. It's good. Everything is good. Any, any, any others that, that, that you remember that it says that they were marked by? Yes. Who said ah? Come on, Israel. My man. I love Israel. I get to share my little apartment with Israel this fall, and I am wicked excited about it. I love Israel, dude. You guys, awesome. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's true. It's, it doubles as my office. That's my excuse. Um, yeah, I'm glad I get to have him with me. It's going to be fantastic. Um, but yeah, they were marked by awe. That was the early church. I want you to read it again. So worship God acceptably. This is acceptable worship. This is the worship that Jesus was talking about with the woman at the well. Acceptable worship. What is acceptable worship? You know, in spirit and truth. And then you see the, the theme continued here in Hebrews 12. 
worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. I want you to know that the one thing so, I mean, there's a lot of things really missing from the modern church that if the people of the early church saw it, they wouldn't even recognize it, honestly. And I don't, I'm, trust me, I'm not a person who wants to harsh on the church. That's not my thing at all. I love the church. But one of the things they would miss the most, and they would say, you got to get this back, is that sense of awe. It really is. They were marked every day by awe of what God was doing. That was such a key to seeing more of it, that the, in, in awe and thankfulness that they continued. What God is going to bring us into as the last days church or the end times church, whatever that means, because I, I don't really know the time frame, okay? All I know is ever since the dispensation of grace, we are the end times church, amen? So this is us. We're, we're very solidly in there. Then the more we go along, the more close we are to being the end times church end times, end times church, but we know that we're in those days, what's called the last days. It's been 2,000 years so far, but it's the, the, the last days after Christ that we are to do the works of Christ and that we're, I think more and more it shows that we're going to be marked by a sense of awe. This is the mark of the early church and of us and of what God's going to do here in Boston. This is the, this is the, the sense of reverence by the modern church has been so lost and in worship especially, we've become so trite. We've become so callous in the way that we approach God. We don't understand the sense of reverence any longer. We don't understand awe. We don't understand what it means to be just awed by God, to be so in reverence of him, the fear of God coming over a whole congregation, bringing us to our knees in reverence before him. That's something we've lost. It's something the early church and even the, the church of the Middle Ages and up till probably the last two centuries had, and we no longer have. I mean, and thank, I thank God for all the revelations he's given us as the church of all the aspects of his character, but this is one I really believe he's going to bring back next, is the awe of God. And if you're wondering why I'm on that, look back into the first part of this verse. We're going to read it again. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken... This is what God's doing with us here in Boston. Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. The awe of God will mark the worship of the last day's church, but we will not get there until we learn to thank him and bear a heart of thankfulness, both personally and corporately. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you would mark us with a new revelation of true worship. God, Lord, we repent as a church, Lord, for our ungratefulness. We repent, Lord. If that's you, I want you to stand. It's me. It's me as well. Lord, we want to repent before you as, as people, Lord, as individuals. Lord, those who have gone about our lives with such blessings, Lord. Such a, such a blessed life, Lord. And, and yet we, we denigrate the things you've, you've even done for us, Lord, considering they're not enough. Lord, we, we don't see the blessings that you've given us in our own lives, Lord, and therefore we don't receive all that you have for us. Father, we repent for our ungratefulness, Lord. We repent 
for hearts that have lacked gratitude, Lord. God, I ask that you would help us to change our ways personally, God. And Lord, corporately, Lord, I ask that you would bring us into all you have for us. God, we want to be that church. We want to be those people, Lord, that would demonstrate you to this world, Lord, that would carry your power, that would carry your presence, Lord, carry your awe. But Lord, we know we can't get there with ungrateful hearts. God, would you make us, make us new, Lord, make us reach deep on the inside. Come on, invite him. Lord, we invite you into our hearts, Lord. Lord, we ask you to do a mighty work. Do something that we couldn't do on our own, Lord. Lord, give us hearts, Lord, that are transformed. Hearts that would see what you have done for us. Lord, hearts that would see you as you are. Lord, as a good father who's given us a kingdom that cannot be shaken, Lord. And so respond with reverence and awe and acceptable worship, God. Lord, let us be that church. Lord, let Hilltop be that church. God, that you would use us to start a worship movement. God, we ask for this. Will we commit ourselves to this? As a people, Lord, both personally and corporately, God, we commit ourselves to all you want to do with this, all the transformation you need to do. God, we invite you into our hearts. And we ask you to come do it. Let's just take a moment. Just let him work on our hearts. Father, we want to... We want to know you rightly. We want to worship you rightly, God. Holy Spirit, I invite you to come into this place right now, Lord. Lord, I just, I don't want this just to be my revelation. I don't want this just to be my words, God, and good ideas and good scriptures that I quoted. Right now, I ask you, Holy Spirit, Lord, to come give these people the revelation you gave me. Lord, impart it. By your spirit, Lord, it won't happen through words alone. Father, I ask that you would impart to every heart in this place the revelation of this, the revelation of gratitude and worship. And so, Lord, we say, we receive, God, that we want to worship you rightly. And so, Lord, today we mark, we, we, we stand marked by you, Lord, as a people, as a company, And Lord, we say, do what you will with us, God. Come what may, Lord, that we will thank you in all circumstances, Lord, that we will worship you, Lord, in spirit and in truth, Lord. And Lord, that we would experience the awe of God again, Lord, that we would live in the awe of God, Lord, day by day, being in awe of your works in our midst. Oh, Father, I ask, God, that we would no longer be hindered in what you can do in our midst, Lord, by our ungrateful attitudes, but Lord, let, let us be unlike the children of Israel. Let us go back and remember, Lord. Let us remember your covenant. And Lord, I ask that you would make us a people that you could use, God. Make us the people that you could do the mighty works in our midst of, God. Lord, that you would use us to start a mighty worship movement here in Boston until the ends of the earth. God, we submit ourselves to you. Lord, mark us today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You can put your hands together for Jesus.